Hi, this is Sean from the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. Uh, before we get into the new episode, I just want to say real quick, if you've listened to this show or our sister show, A Most Horrible Library, you know I'm a big fan of the author Laird Barron, and I wanted to spread the word about something. Laird has been having some medical issues. The entire horror writers community is aware of this right now. Thanks to the efforts of two remarkable individuals, the author John Langan, who wrote the only book in my adult life to give me nightmares, The Fisherman, and podcaster Mike Davis, who helms the Lovecraft e-zine. So these guys have set up and are proliferating awareness for this GoFundMe campaign to help with Laird's medical expenses because as a working professional writer in America, he doesn't have health insurance. That probably should surprise no one. I think that that's something everyone can relate to who pursues creativity as a career. So... I just want to say uh, I donated and I implore y'all to go out and do the same if you can. You can find Mike Davis at Misanthrope Mike or John Langan at Mr. Gaunt or probably easier. You can just go to GoFundMe, go to their landing page, search Laird Barron, and you're going to get the result right away. Make sure it's the one hosted by Mike Davis. Early on, there was a bogus account set up to fill some person's pockets reprehensible i know this is where we are just make sure it's the one by mike davis i think it's the only one up now but just wanted to offer the caveat but you know if you haven't read laird you should he's fantastic and yeah let's help the man because it's what we do a pandemic of violence floods the streets of major cities as cases of the media-dubbed murder virus, MV20, soar, causing those infected to go on killing sprees. Caught in the middle, police detective Angela Miller finds her only trustworthy ally in the self-proclaimed psychic PI, Gerald Henry. As the two try to navigate the violence, they are drawn into new age guru, Abramelin Harvest's plot to heal the planet. Harvest's missive. The world is sick, and humanity is the infection. The cure? Murder. From the twisted mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires, and Shadowplay in Book One, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder Virus. Available where books are sold. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean. I am Scumbag Anthony. And I'm Missy. And this is kind of an impromptu uh, review reaction to, I'm not sure how to say the name of this movie, M3GAN? M3GAN? Or Megan. Oh, <laughs> I totally didn't even get that. Oh, Megan. Okay. <laughs> I keep seeing the ads, but the volume's always down, so I wasn't sure. I thought it was a um, fancier title, like Majan or something like that. that could be <laughs> oh my god! Only if uh, what's that French director I don't like that did um, th- that movie that I hate, The Fifth <laughs> Element, uh, Luke Besson. Luke, Luke song. Yeah, only only if he did it, then it, that's what it would be called, and I would hate it. Majan. Majan. 
so listeners, we're not going to spoil anything until we do. So in other words, we're going to give you a completely spoiler-free reaction, whether we think you should go see it, uh, how we felt about it in broad sweeping general terms. And then I'm going to say, okay, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, turn this off. And then we're going to just talk about the whole movie. I'm going to guess a lot of people have seen it because I got to tell you guys, I was going to go yesterday and I don't know what time it was, like two o'clock. We're going to go to a five o'clock show. All the shows for the rest of the night were like, I mean, you know, there was like a, a random seat, like the front row was, you know, mostly open or like there was like one here and one there. But for the most part, all, and it's, it, it's, I mean, it's showing like every half an hour at, at this Regal in, you know, Clarksville. So I'm like, this movie is doing really well. And so yeah, the box, it already, I, I think it's already made, you know, $30 million or I'm sure more by now. Uh, that was the number I saw yesterday when I woke up and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, when I saw it, there wasn't that many people there, but it was in the afternoon on a Thursday. So there were like a handful. But I think I also saw $30 million for the first weekend. I, I mean, there's definitely going to be a sequel, which makes me happy because Look, we're not going to spoil anything, listeners, but one of the things going into this movie I had severe trepidation about was I just thought, I was like, I'm going to know all the fucking beats and it's going to be a chore to sit through because of it. And guess what? I knew all the beats, but it wasn't a chore. It was, it, I, it entertained me. I would give it a solid three stars out of five. Um, it was fine. So, uh, Anthony, what did you think about Mijan? Well, first of all, Mijan um, is a robot, and no, I'm kidding. Uh, I just got out of the, the theater about an hour ago. YouTube as well, so um, I've managed to retain quite a bit of it. But and I had a good time, and like you said, you know, it it kind of goes note note for note, beat for beat, and you, you do see it coming. All the red herrings are there, and and I I didn't hate it because it kept me entertained enough and it gave me just like the right amount of laughs without like going overboard and making itself like a full-blown like horror comedy and that's the thing a lot of people are saying right now is that it's a horror comedy which no. i don't think it is i i it's don't not. really see that i don't really see that i think it's pretty straightforward but again it's nothing you haven't seen before however um for this time of year it's actually quite entertaining and, and nice to go into a theater and mid-January and see something like this, which is interesting, um, especially when there's not a lot out right now. But no, I did have a good time with it. I thought it was scored well, acted well. Um, there are times I was kind of annoyed with the little girl, but she was able to pull off like grief and a couple of other, you know, um, emotion. She was able to emote well. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody else did a good job. Everybody else did a good job. It, it was pretty solid. I think, I think, it, was, I th I think it was fun. And I, I would go watch it again. I would like to go see it again. In fact, when I came home, I told my girlfriend, I was like, you know, you probably might have liked this or, or at least enjoyed it and wouldn't got freaked out by it. So I'm, I may go back with her pretty soon to go check it out. But yeah, I thought I had a good time. I had a really good time with it. Right on. Um, Missy, what'd you think? I also had a good time with it. I, I'd give it a solid three as well. Um, it's a great movie for, like I've seen in some of my horror groups, people looking for movies that would be good to see with their, their kids who are interested in horror. Um, this would be a good one for that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, great intro to horror. Right. And it's one of the few, whenever I, not that it has to be rated R to be a good movie, 
but whenever I see PG-13 on a horror movie, I'm always a little bit skeptical about it. Yeah. But, I mean, while it's not gory, and, I mean, not all movies have to be, it it's still very, it was still very entertaining. Um, I didn't feel like they were pulling all their punches to make it, like, family safe. They told mm-hmm. the story they wanted to tell. Um. And I wouldn't call it horror comedy either. I thought it had a really good social commentary, though. And maybe that's what people are calling the comedy part. So I, so I laughed a lot, but I laugh at horror movies a lot. Um, just for what, like, I just find, you know, when, well, both uh, the first two people she dispatches because here's a spoiler she kills some fucking people um i laughed and um i i don't know it's just i i just do you know N- not all the a lot of people laugh at horror movies to to relieve tension maybe that's part of it i didn't feel like it was like you know like when i i go see evil dead rise i'm not i'm expecting to have nervous laughter that is venting my anxiety which is you know that that'll be great this wasn't really like that. I just, I don't know. I just find some of the violence in horror movies, you know, you laugh at it. Um, partially because we know all the tropes and then they're doing things in a good way, entertaining us. But it's not, I, anybody that calls it a horror comedy, they're they're overstating and they're embellishing. It is not. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's like you both said, it's very cut and dry. It's like, it's a fucking killer doll movie. I mean, you know. We know what it entails. We've seen it before, but it, it's dressed in new clothes and, and it was enjoyable. So I I agree. I think if you got a, you know, 13-year-old niece or nephew who's, you know, maybe read some Stephen King and interested to see some, see a horror movie on the big screen if they haven't before, it's a great place to start. I mean, there's better, sure, but also, you know, mileage may vary and I don't know what, how much people want to expose their kids to the stuff in horror movies. This is, we were talking before we rolled tape. Anthony, you brought up uh, what did you say about the uh, test screenings and the how they cut it or whatever? Well, apparently dur- the director said this that during test screenings the rated R cut didn't do well with audiences, so they went and skimmed it down to you know uh, just as far as pacing goes. But again, I don't think that's the case, um, and I I believe Universal made the deci- the decision to. Um, cut it down to PG-13 because like the little dance and stuff she does in the commercial has gone viral. It's all over TikTok. It's all over Instagram. It's all over everything. And I think to cater to a younger audience that's more tuned into that yeah. culture, they cut it down to PG-13 to make it more accessible, which is smart, obviously, yeah. you know, for, for money-making purposes purely. Um, I'm curious to see what a rated R cut would look like. And like you said, that still might be a case where when it's released on Blu-ray or what have you, you might get that alternative cut. I'm still interested in seeing it. Um, but I think that that was the angle that they worked to um, to get it to a wider audience, which, again, purely, you know, genius as far as getting that out there and pushing, because it did make $30 million this last weekend. So, I mean, I, I don't know what the overall budget was, but, I mean, I would assume that it's fairly fairly good success. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think Blumhouse has another hit on their hands. Um, budget was $12 million, Opening weekend was 30 Basically, 
30,000, 30, $30 million, 30 and a half million dollars. Yeah, see, so that's not bad. I'm still happy Joe Bigos got his killer robot movie out before this one. <laughs> Same. So, yeah, I'm glad that that didn't like, that didn't steal any of its thunder, but I, I still think that Megan or Majan was able to, um, you know, contend uh, on its own and, and do well and entertain. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing this movie in an AMC. I got my ticket last night for a noon showing and there were no seats taken. So I picked one right at the railing. That's where I like to go so I can kick my legs out. I got a bad knee, so I'm able to pop it out, crack it as much as I want, which is awesome. Yeah, don't get old, people, because you'll have shitty knees. Anyway, um, so I got in there and when I did walk in, there were two other people in the theater. So I was able to give it like my full attention and focus and I, I had a good time. I don't know how many more times I'm supposed to say that I had a good time. It's uh, it's definitely recommended by me. I would say get out there and go watch it. Not that it needs your support because it already made its fucking money back and it's guaranteed to get a sequel at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, but go go watch it for a good time at least. Like Missy said, I think it is a great introduction to horror for, well, not say your children, but maybe your preteens and or teens. I'm sure they've seen much, much worse on the internet when you're not looking or paying attention. <laughs> so, you know, with that being said, yeah, get out to the theater and go support it. it. It is a fun time. And yeah, definitely you can look forward to a sequel at some point. We could pretty much guarantee it at this point. Yeah. Uh, Missy, before we go spoilers, anything else to say? No, I think I'm good. All right, let's go spoilers. Audience, uh, if you haven't seen it, turn us off. Come back after you see it. Don't come back. We'd love to have you back, but but uh, we're going to spoil shit now. So, All right. Uh, first of all, I would just like to say uh, I was disappointed because I was led to believe that with this screening, I was getting a free perpetual pet. And I wanted <laughs> to feed that thing until it shat itself repeatedly. <laughs> The fucking jingle, the jingle. <laughs> the that was the awesome. opening of the movie is an ad, and it was so perfect. I mean, it's like if this thing existed, that would be the fucking ad. And it was for this per perpetual pet, which is like, uh, like a d demonic looking Furby, um, <laughs> which is always interesting for me. Like, uh, one of my favorite novels is Brett Easton Ellis's Lunar Park, and there's like, a demonic Furby. Well, it's a it's a knockoff, <laughs> so it's a Turby, right? But um, and it, it is it's chilling, like what he does with it. There's moments where it's like, oh my god! And it, when I read it the first time, I had not seen a Furby, and then when I looked at a Furby, I was like, oh my god, these things are ugly yeah. as fuck. These things, these perpetual pets, are way more disturbing, and it's all about the gum and the teeth, the gums and the teeth, and the way they're. I was situated. just gonna say that. Oh. It's like a it's like a Furby with like troll hair and human teeth and, oh. and it's just fucked up. <laughs> wow. And and you could feed it with an iPad and it will shit itself. Uh and the actual pellets of something come out. I don't know. I, man. <laughs> no, that was pretty funny, I gotta admit. Um I'm sure there was a reference to some other film that I saw like pretty early on, but totally forgot. But uh, yeah, like I said, you know, I try to retain as much as I can coming out of a PG thirteen horror film. Uh, no, there was some there's some interesting parts. I mean, the main red herring I saw was like the second you meet what was the other robot's name the the big giant one? Bruce. Oh, Bruce. Bruce. 
And I was like, oh, they're going to use Bruce to tear her apart at the end. Of course. Of course. That happened. <laughs> of, of like, course. It's like, okay, that's going to be the, it's going to be your only weapon that you're going to have to be able to stand a chance. And, um, but, th- but then no, the best was, was like, the moment that they needed it the most after it had torn her apart, it slips on her on her severed legs um, like a banana peel and then falls on the ants, <laughs> pinning her to the ground, thus rendering them both useless. So I was like, that's kind of funny. I will say that the dialogue between Megan and um, and the aunt was actually pretty cool. Like there was that whole scene towards the end when, you know, she's... Uh, before this big, you know, final battle sequence where she's like got her pinned on the table and she's pretty much mm-hmm. talking shit to her, like, you know, this is what's going to go down. This is the choice you have. And, you know, it obviously gets a tad more terrifying when it goes into what Megan intends to do to ensure that her plan follows through, which is to basically give her a lobotomy uh, yeah. using a pen that she had used to trick her earlier. She's like, look at this, <laughs> like, follow the pen. It's pretty. <laughs> I was like, wow, there's, like I said, she, that the dialogue between the ant and basically the creator and, and the, you know, Frankenstein and his monster. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, all that dialogue between them is fucking incredible. I thought the most tension in that film actually came between those two characters. Yeah. What about y'all? I'm talking too much. No, no, you're not. Missy. Um, Yeah. I really liked that too. Um, Though I, I think the, the creepiest scene or the scene that I thought was coolest was when she deals with the the boy who's terrorizing Katie in the woods um, and goes all bestial and like rips his ear off and then drops to all fours and starts chasing him. That was awesome. And I didn't even care that there wasn't more. Can, can the skin on the top of an ear stretch as far as that stretch? <laughs> I mean, dude, that was, I, I was like, this like is unbelievable. Then I was like, wait a minute, I don't know. I've never tried to pull somebody's, the top of somebody's <laughs> ear off. It like stretched across, across the, the screen like gum, but it, it was still cool. And he had to go like it's... six fucking inches away from his head. It was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, cartilage rips, but I thought it was cool that she was able to deliver a line during that because she's stretching his ears and she's like, Can you hear me? Because, yes, you know, like so, that was, that was a pretty good bit, but yeah, I was just like, That his cartilage would completely tear. That's completely, <laughs> but I was just glad to see a practical effect in it because, you know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a cool, yeah, it was a good, Definitely. it was a good bit. Yeah, what about you, Sean. I, I I really it's in the commercial, but that the the her galloping on all fours after him is with that coat on is just creepy mm-hmm. as fuck. That whole scene, like when she first appears, you know, like it was almost gothic in a way. Like there just was something about the way she was backlit in the woods or whatever. Um Yeah, I I mean I liked the way she yeah, and also the same way that Anthony, like you said, when when they show you Bruce at the beginning, you know the other robot. You know ultimately you're going to see them fight, right? The same way, like in Aliens, like you know that that dock loader is going to. Although I guess yeah. that's old enough where maybe that wasn't the case, but but nonetheless, um, as you meet people in this movie, they're introduced. You're like, okay, this person, you know, the neighbor, she's going to die. The dog, it's going to die. The the boss, he's gonna die. The boss's Weasley assistant, he's gonna die. Like you just know who's they're being introduced 
just so they can be killed later on, which is not a bad thing. Um, and although mostly bloodless, there's a shot of the elevator. It's like there's blood after, right? So the scene is bloody, but you don't actually see blood when anybody's dispatched, which was fine. They found a creative way with the poison for the neighbor, which I thought was great. I thought that was a great way to dispatch her, have it on screen and not need to show blood. And it, well, I guess they did show blood, like kind of running into the the gate, or the the drain. My qualm with that was that was so dark you couldn't tell. And then obviously, you know, embellishing the fact that like a pump squirter could like blast her across the room, which was, <laughs> does not happen. It's not a fire hose. Like that's not how that works. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, nail guns like that uh, without being um, hooked up to like a, an air gun or like if they're air, you know, the air nail guns you can shoot like that having done construction i know that so that doesn't work either but you know they sell it on screen but i did think that that was actually probably the coolest death in the film to be honest and i'm assuming whatever she was spraying at her was acidic in order to start kind of like melting her face and etc but that was that was a pretty bitching scene i like you know that how how they set up you know the shadow and you can hear the robotic dog whimpering or that you hear the dog whimpering from afar. And then as you get closer, you hear it, you know, that, that it's a, a much more robotic voice. Yeah. And she then just that scene it, where right? she, Yeah. So then that scene where you see her like rising out of the dark to step forward, I thought that was pretty bitching and, you know, kind of takes me back to, you know, Laurie Strode where how, you know, Mike comes stepping out of the, the shadow behind her. Yeah. And you see that you just see the little bit of the mask. I always thought that was a, really cool uh bit to use going forward in horror films so i i appreciated it here um again stuff you've seen a thousand times before and like like we said it's you know beat for beat but uh, entertaining and like i said the kills were pretty good i don't know is there any um is there any kill or anything like that that stood out to you there weren't very many i think when when she attacked the the two people that were working with her creator, the the two friends, the other two scientists, and she's like choking the one one guy out um, in the office, and I can't remember their names. And the um, the lady is trying to figure out how to dis um, how to disable her while she's pretty much hanging her friend from the ceiling. Like I thought that was pretty pretty intense. Or when she, after all that, when she's chasing the boss and then goes into that conference and all the people are just staring at her <laughs> and you see the elevator open. I liked the, the chasing the boss. Um, I, so she removes, it's in the trailer, she does the fucked up dance, and but she does, and there's tons of Uncanny Valley going on, right? Like it's just creepy oh. as fuck. <laughs> the, whole, the whole movie, but especially for some reason, the dance in that hallway. But you see her, she removes the the blade from the, the paper cutter. And right. I've always, I don't know that I've seen that before. So in 2007, I wrote a horror movie and uh, there's a scene in it. It There's many people dispatched in a back office at a uh, department store. And there's a scene in it where somebody uses one of those. And I just always was like, like, I'd look at it at work when I worked in the back office of a Borders and I'd be like, man, dude, you just loosen one like little thing and take that off. And that's like a fucking, like almost like a machete. 
So I, I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, One thing I wanted to touch on was that Megan sings. She's got a lovely singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> and she sings at like the most ridiculous moments. So like there's a bit where, you know, the, the young girl is mourning over the death of her parents and she's crying and then she just goes into this I don't even know if that's like a legit popular song or if it's something they wrote for the movie but it's just hysterical she's like and I'll always be here and all this other <laughs> shit and you, you look into the, like the boardroom where everybody's behind like the, the mirror and one of the ladies is crying Yeah, <laughs> and I was just laughing out loud during that bit I was like oh my god this is fucking comedic like this is this part like this part here is gold and that's like you know another bit where they turn uh, morbidity into something comical much attuned to like the the commercial at the beginning of the movie yeah. <laughs> i had a puppy and blah 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 and now it died and <laughs> i'm alone again <laughs> you just see her like sitting at the graves <laughs> oh god <laughs> the freshly dug mound and i'm like oh fuck <laughs> oh I I guess maybe that set the tone for some people because that is the first thing in the movie. So maybe that set the tone for some people to call it a horror comedy, but I still would not call it a horror comedy. No, same. Uh, But I think Uh, it knocks the chill off for the audience. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't recognize Allison Williams. Had no idea. I recognize. I was like, I know, I know this actress. Didn't recognize. Didn't. I couldn't place her. Um, who who plays the aunt uh, Gemma? But no. Also, I. I happened to just be reading something online right before we we got on here. I didn't realize this is uh, by the guy that did um, Housebound. Um, yes. Gerard Johnstone. So I'm happy to see that he has, uh, you know, a, a huge, I mean, he'll work now, you know, perpetually yeah. in Hollywood. So that's pretty cool. Um At least in the Blumhouse camp, I think he will. I think he's he might might have found a home. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But I mean, other than what we've spoken about, I don't know how much more in depth we can go into on a killer doll movie. Again, nothing you haven't seen before. Yeah, definitely. But 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 like I, I was really thinking that no, that because of that was going to be work, and and I enjoyed it. So. Yeah, me too. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I've always had a creepy, like, fear of AIs to begin with. So any, um, any of those kind of stories with the, you know, the the AI turns on you and now you're the hunted, the hunted in uh, your own house. Those are always, they're fun if they're done well. Tell tell us about. So Missy and I were talking the other day. And she told me about this movie. I'm curious. I'd never heard of it, but Anthony, I'm curious if you'll know this movie. Lady Terminator, nineteen eighty-eight. <laughs> Talk to us about the movie you you told me about that, like, kind of was your introduction to this kind of con- conceptually when you were a kid. Okay, I think it was. I think it was called Home Wrecker. It was from like the early nineties. It was. I think it was a straight to video, video kind of release. But I was one of those video store kids that would just rent whatever new horror movies or sci-fi movies came out every Friday. Um, and it had something to do with this 
this guy turned his house into a smart house. He was like this big scientist working for like a Skynet kind of company and either his wife dies or they split up or something. And he, he makes this smart house with that talks in the voice of a lady. He calls her Lucy. I think it means something the way Megan means something. Um, but I don't remember what it was. And he moves him and his family in there. And then either like the ex-wife comes back or he starts dating a new lady, but then the house turns violent because it, the house is in love with the husband and they get like locked in the house and it's terrorizing them and it goes that route um and I haven't seen it since I was a kid but it definitely it definitely stayed with me and then I had an interest in other things like Evolver was another one with a killer robot that um I remember reading about that one in Fangoria I don't know if it got a theater release or was another straight to video but it was also a killer robot that one was a game that you played with the robot and it learned from you and then it starts hunting people in their house um anthony does that, any of that sound familiar that first one you talked about with the the house if i'm trying to remember is there a bit in that where somebody like ends up on like the kitchen sink but then the sink folds upward so everything slides down into it no you know what i'm thinking of episode of the simpsons (laughs) (laughs) there's a smart house episode there's a smart house episode and it does that and somebody goes like head first into the like garbage disposal (laughs) yeah i think it's over he comes about all his head all fucked up i'm pretty sure as you were describing homewrecker missy i'm pretty sure i was thinking there is a treehouse of horror where one of the one of the vignettes is I don't know what it's called, but the <laughs> house's voice is uh, Remington Steel, Pierce Bronson, Bronson, or however you say his name, and it falls in love with Marge, and so it's okay. got to be based on that. Um, Probably, but I had not seen seen Homewrecker or heard of it. I looked it up, and Fred Walton directed it. It's a TV movie from 1992. You know what else Fred Walton directed? This is pretty interesting. Um, Porn. <laughs> uh, house porn, actually. No. Um, he did When a Stranger Calls in 1979, and he did April Fool's Day in 1986. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I had a similar one uh, when I was a kid. It was on TV, and I found out years later it was, uh, and it's based on a Dean Koontz book that I never read. It's from 1977 and it's called Demon Seed and it's a scientist creates an organic computer with artificial intelligence and it like becomes obsessed with this woman and keeps her in the house and I I think at some point like does some like sexy stuff to her with like I don't know. It's just (laughs) I saw it really young and I remember it like I was like what? like this? It just went weird places. I don't know. Anthony, you have a favorite AI uh, horror movie in your past? Uh, as far as like killer robots, it'd probably be Class of 1999 with like Pam Greer and who else is in there? Um, that guy with the hair lip, I can't remember his name. Great actor though. Um, but uh, yeah, they, you know, all these kids are like in an unruly, it's like a high school for like unruly kids. So they bring in new teachers. It turns out they're all fucking basically Terminators underneath. And um, they, uh, 
I think they all eventually go haywire and they're like, okay, well, we got to kill all the kids. So it's all up to these like, you know, punk rocker kids to kind of figure out a way to dispatch all these teachers that are just murderous robots. I remember Pam Greer, she had, they had this great like special effects scene where like she had a hand and it just melted off. And then it uh, turns out underneath her hand was like a, her arm was a flamethrower, you know, torch kids and shit like that. It was pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, class of 1999 is immediately one of those ones that I, I always go back to as far as that goes. And then, I mean, we all saw that show in the eighties, you know, the one where, you know, the little, the little doll that come, you know, the, the robot, Vicky, the small robot, wonder, small wonder. I mean, that's the first time you think about that. You're like, okay, we have a small wonder. What if she went on the fritz and killed everybody in her family and everyone in the neighborhood? Of course, I didn't think that at the time it was like, cool. They get a robot, but um, class of 1999, that's definitely one that I go back to often. That's, that's, well, at least that's one that, you know, harkens back to what you're talking about. We uh, we talked about that one. You talked about that one on here before because we talked about Class of 1984 at some point. It's the same director, and I don't know if it's considered a sequel. Um, but same director, Mark L. Lester. Um, I've never seen that. I'll, have to, I'll, have to, I'll definitely have to hunt that down. Malcolm McDowell, Stacey Keach, Bradley Keech, Gregg. that's what I was thinking of. Um, Pam Greer. Uh, the Small Wonder... I don't know. I, I won't. I would never do it justice, so I won't take it away from him. But well, I think we've had Ray talk about it before on the show. But he years ago he had he like just randomly comes up with all these ideas, and they're like full fledged. Like he'll be like, oh, I have this idea for a movie, and he'll he'll literally tell you like the whole movie. Like, did you have you written this? Like, did you memorize a screenplay? <laughs> no. But he's got a concept for Small Wonder as a movie where they reinvent it. And I know around the time that Blumhouse did that Fantasy Island movie where they reinvented, I was like, oh, dude, Ray, you got to find a way to go <laughs> pitch this to Jason Blum. Because it involves Vicky, the small wonder, getting hit by lightning and then like ripping people apart. And, you know, <laughs> um, I never watched the show. I was always holding out for like a Harry and the Hendersons crossover where the, you know, they'd fight. But uh, what are you going to do? Where'd you get him? How'd you get him? I love that fucking show the show is fantastic i love i love the movie the movie's great your feet's too big good shit fantastic fucking uh, uh the guy in the suit was actually um kevin peter hall who played predator oh he was the, yeah, guy, that, okay. he oh, was wow. the guy that he was in the suit of uh of, harry uh, harry harry the bigfoot yeah that was kevin peter hall interesting i didn't know that that's pretty cool mm-hmm I didn't know that either. And I haven't seen Class of ni- 1999 either, so I'll have to look that one up. There's a really shitty direct-to-DVD sequel. Don't watch that. It's bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, I mean, my favorite killer robot movie is Chopping Mall, though. Yeah, I could watch one. that a hundred zillion times and never get tired of it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And then who could forget Terminator? But, I mean... yeah. That's that stuff's kind of go. That kind of stuff goes without mention. But yeah, no, I would I would love to watch Chopping Mall again. Now that you brought it up, it's been a minute. <laughs> I think it's still up on Shutter with Joe Bob because I go back to it fairly often. <laughs> I was just thinking about that episode because he starts before he plays the movie. He starts talking about, and I was thinking of this watching Megan. That was the first place I ever heard about those real doll sex dolls. And I was like, this can't be a thing. And I looked it up and it quickly was like, oh, God, I should never have no, Googled this. Thing. 
Let me introduce you guys to mine. Uh, <laughs> Daphne, Daphne, my love, please. Daphne, oh. it looks just like the chick from Scooby Doo. <laughs> um, uh, curse these cameras. <laughs> it it was uh it yeah I don't know you know the creepy uncanny valley just ugh, ugh. so I I mean. I'd like to see a horror movie with one of those creepy sex dolls, you know. Uh, well, or maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Megan or Mejan, if you're so inclined, um, I think it, yeah. I mean, I definitely, I would say uh, thumbs up. And, you know, it's it's not, it, it didn't blow me away. It's not probably not going to make my top 10. But I, no. I fucking, I liked it. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as far as like a good time popcorn flick, I think this is one that's definitely like enjoyable and shareable. So, I mean, I'm I'm glad it's having some success this weekend. Yeah, I recommend it. It was good. I had a good time. Fun, fun, fun for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's a fun popcorn movie. If you just want, um, you know, it's not it's not going to scare you. It's probably going to make you laugh, but that doesn't make it less enjoyable to watch on the big screen. Well said. I thought Absolutely. it was a good time. Yeah, you can't have funky without F-U-N. <laughs> That's true. It is true. Uh, okay, well, uh, we'll be back soon with another full episode, but until then, for Funky Industries and the Horror Vision, and Megan, I'm Sean. <laughs> I'm Androgynous Anthony. And I'm Missy. And we are made of titanium. <laughs>